0: going to consider God and his location today. God with reference to location. And So um, if you would, open your Bibles to Jeremiah um, chapter 23. And we'll read a couple of verses there in Jeremiah 23. And kind of set the, set the uh, stage for us. Consider God and his location. Jeremiah 23, verses 23 and 24. Of course, This is in a section of, of rebuke, where God is rebuking the lying prophets of Israel and the shepherds who are unfaithful in their duties. But this declaration helps us to consider God uh, and its location. Verse 23, Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off, Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him? declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heaven and the earth? declares the Lord. That statement, do not I fill heaven and the earth? uh, is is, a consideration of where God is as to location. So, where is the place that God cannot see? Every, every thoughtful believer has considered that, haven't they? Is there anything that the Almighty cannot see? Is there any place that the Almighty is not? And there's, you know, when we sin, we wish he couldn't see, <laughs> don't we? And then, and then but we feel a sense of our desperation and our need of him. As we're keenly aware of that. We hope that he sees. We hope that he knows that he is available. And so we kind of think on both sides of that. Hopefully we're always wishing and hoping hoping in the biblical sense that he is near to us. Proverbs 15.3, you don't have to turn there, but it says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil, and the good. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. I take that, I understand that to mean without exception, based upon the nature uh, of God. That his eyes are in every place. And he said there in Jeremiah, he fills heaven and earth. So If you have your sheet with you, this will be where you, you fill in that little part where we talk about God with reference to his location. His infinity with reference to his location is called his omnipresence. O-M-N-I-P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Omnipresence. And by that we mean that God is present everywhere at the same time. At the same moment, he is present everywhere. He is wholly present
1: with every one of his
0: people at the same moment. And that's a very comforting thought. Uh, he is holy, meaning all of him, uh, because God cannot be separated. He is unity. So all of him is present with every one of his people at the same moment. Omnipresence also means. While God is present everywhere in the world, yet he's by no means confined within the world or within the creation. Now, if we're going to stop and and work that out just a little bit, we have to be reminded of a little bit more about the nature of God. God is a spirit. God is spirit, meaning he is spiritual in nature. And so when we consider the spirituality of God, it helps us to understand his Omnipresence, reference to location. And I like what uh, James P. Boyd says, an old Baptist theologian, in his abstract of systematic theology. Uh, he talks about the here and the everywhere. And I think you'll find this helpful, I sure did. He says this uh, When we ascribe spirituality to God, we do not intend simply to assert that He possesses a spiritual nature but that his nature is exclusively spiritual. By this, we mean that he has no material organization, that he has neither body nor members of a body such as we have, neither shape nor form, neither passions nor limitations, but only a spiritual nature.
1: This is evident
0: from his immensity and eternity. In other words, his infinity with reference to time and space. To have an omnipresent and eternal mode of existence is possible for a spiritual nature. Because spirit is not of necessity uh, succession, I'm sorry, let me read that again. Because spirit has not of necessity succession of time and space, specific uh, to limitation of location, but these of necessity belong to matter. In other words, Limitations with reference to time and space belongs to matter, things that have a body, things that are material. It says it is of necessity that it has as here, that it has a here. <laughs> Let me try that again. It is of necessity that it has a here and not an everywhere. Okay, so it's talking about matter. Matter has a here. We're here. We're not everywhere. And that's true of all matter. Matter of necessity has a here and not an everywhere. But spirit alone can combine the two, the here and the everywhere. And that's, that's what I thought was very helpful, was well, that he is pointing out that because God is spiritual in nature, he has both the here, present with every one of us at every moment, and the everywhere. Do not I fill all things in heaven and earth? So our mind has a little bit of trouble, at least mine does, trying to grasp both of those concepts and, and bring them together. But it's okay that we have trouble with that because we are considering uh, an infinite being. But we, as matter, have a limitation of only the here. We cannot have the here and the everywhere, but God has the here and the everywhere. I thought that was helpful considering his omnipresence. So, let's look at some scripture together. Let's um, go to where we began with this study, Acts chapter 17, and let's get several perspectives that uh, relate to God's omnipresence, which I think is, while challenging, one of the most comforting doctrines concerning the nature of God. Acts chapter 17, and verses 27-27. And twenty-eight. You'll remember the background, hopefully, as we read these verses. It says that they should seek God, if perhaps they might grow for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and exist, even as some of your own poets have said. For we also are His offspring. Well, he speaks about the Gentiles of the world in general as as blindly groping after God and seeking after him in their own, in their own manner. Uh, but Paul points something out, that in reality he is not far from any one of us, and the reason he is is because it is in him that we live and move and exist. It is that our very existence is housed, if you will, within God. Remember, God is outside and above and beyond his creation, though he fills it. But the creation is not outside of God. It is, you know, it is within him. He created all things that exist out of nothing. And when he spoke it into existence, that creation was not outside of God. Creation was within God. We, as a part of that creation, are within God. In him we live. In Him we move. In Him we have our being. So think of of uh, He being above and beyond it all, and yet permeating all of His creation to the fullest. So well, we can't get the idea because He is above and beyond the creation and outside of it that He is far away. Okay, because He fills all things. And so the idea of omnipresence brings to our mind that though he is great, so great, he existed before the creation and spoken into existence, and all, everything that has life, men and angels and all the, the creation itself has different forms of life, everything has life, is being sustained within him. Were there no God, there would be nothing that could be sustained at all. So, let me ask this question in relation to those verses and maybe i've already answered the question but i want you to, to answer it as well in what sense then is god not far from any person because paul said he's not far from any one of us so in what sense then is that true He is, but I think it's relational. You know, he's thinking relational. He's not, you know, people that are teaching God even in their own ignorance and their own ways, you know, they don't realize until they've been, you know, given that gift by the Spirit that God is there. But so it's personal, you know. Is, is God available? Is God near? So I think Tony's right. It's spiritual. Because he's spiritual, um, he can be everywhere. Not not only that, but maybe he's he's leaning toward the fact that he's the source and the sustainer of all living things. You know. Because I mean, you you think of the plant, right? And the plant has has let's think of a, a flowering plant. So the flower is the, the end really the end result of multiple things that are going on, right? The flower d- depends on the, the the vine or the branch, you know, the 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 arm and the and then the the branches rely on the root. And the root is what God is. He is the source. He is uh um, He is the life. And we derive life from Him. And so because He's the source, and we are uh with the considered, you know, He's the Vine with the branches to use the exact biblical analogy, um, we don't sustain the vine. The vine sustains us. And we depend for our very life on the existence and continuation of that and So God, knowing his eternal nature, that he cannot cease to be, he cannot die, he cannot cease to be, he cannot deny himself, helps us to recognize that as part of his creation, we have our life derived from him. He derives his life from no one, but we derive everything from him. In him we live. I think it's, I've tried this week and even in the past months as we've studied through this to try to, to remind myself and, and wrap my mind more and more around the fact of God's omnipresence. The, the fact that not that just he sees, you know, it did say in Psalms, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding evil and the good. Not just that he sees in the sense of looking and beholding, like, right? well, what's going on over here? Well, what's going on over there? That may be a human way of thinking about it, but I've tried to challenge myself to think about the fact that God is everywhere, not that he's just beholding it before him, but that he exists within it because He fills all things. Some of the
1: implications of He sustains every breath of every person. see enemy we have, okay? Uh, he is sustaining their breath, he's sustaining the blood pumping through their veins. They don't take a step without his sustaining that step. So, it's comfort to know that we live in move movement and have our being in him, but so does the person sitting right next to you or the person that's um, Every, every member of ISIS, let's think of it that way, God sustains them in their life every second. And that has implications too, you know, in yeah. terms of how we view things. Yes, it does. But he, he also sustains it all in, in the bigger view of his sovereignty, his wisdom, his grace, his goodness,
0: right? Moving yeah. it all forward towards his, his purpose, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that a relief, as Jay said? I mean, you know, we can get so caught up in, in those that are opposing us and systems that oppose Christianity, get caught up in, in in all types of fear. I mean, today there seems to be, you know, there's a premium on fear mongering. You know, everybody wants to drive you and drive me by fear. But in thinking of God and His omnipresence, not only with us to sustain us, but as Jay said, even he's, he's holding the very life. Blood to the veins of all our enemies and by the way. And they will do all as he wills, according to his purpose. And so you can you really can. It, it's it's nothing wrong, and there's everything right with a Christian just saying, It's not my problem, it's God. God will deal with these things. We pray and we ask and we work, but we rest in his sovereignty. So that's a great thought. I mean, one of the things that really is a blessing. Of God who is everywhere present at the same moment. Alright, well, Psalm 139 is um, a psalm which I hope that you read often. And it's such a blessing just to consider all the things that are there. Let's look uh, specifically at verses seven to ten. Every time uh, our daughter is about to have her first baby, she's due any any day, and uh, I always think of this song as, as, you know as God forming us in the, in the parts of our of our mother's body, and uh, that's a great thought as well. But verse seven. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me, and thy right hand will lay hold of me. So the question is asked, is there anywhere that we can be away from the presence uh, of God? Um, The the psalmist considers ascending to the highest heaven, the the lowest depths of the earth, the the, the most remote place you can think of on earth, any place you might be able to think of that you're isolated from everyone and everything, any place that you could possibly be where God is not. We already know the answer. But the spirit, because God is spirit, there is no imaginable place where he is not. But he is present with every one of his people at every moment, and he is filling his creation. So I like those. I like that. Where can I go from your spirit or flee from your presence? So, you know, verse 11 and 12, we might take comfort from them. They say, If I say, Surely the, the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be like night. And, and if you've been alive very long for one and a Christian for very long, you have felt uh, the keen steam of difficulties and, and challenges and trials. And so, in our mind, we might say, Surely this darkness is going to overwhelm me, but it encourages us in verse 12 even the darkness is not dark to thee. Right? God's pierce, his view pierces through the darkest things to see it clearly precisely and carry it out according to his purpose and the night is as bright as the day darkness and light are alike to thee. <laughs> that would be nice and what is their characteristic about the new heavens and the new earth specifically says in revelation something about heaven that there's not going to be anymore do you remember what it is no night there'll be no night there The presence and glory of God and the Lamb upon the throne will be the light. There's no not need of sun or moon or stars to to illuminate the new creation because the glory of God is the light. I'm, I'm an electrician by trade and John is too. John, we're out of a job when we get to heaven because there's no need of any light there. There won't be anybody calling us up and saying, hey, my lights are out. Can you help me? Because the light will be the Lamb uh, who will radiate uh, through all parts of his creation. So that's, that's the darkness and the light are light to him. But in the sense of his omnipresence, the sense that he is in every place at every moment, um, gives, us, gives us comfort in our dark times. All right, one or two more places here as we consider this. Now... Turn to, to Psalm uh, one hundred and forty-five. We'll look at verse eighteen, and then also hold your finger there and look to Proverbs. or Proverb uh, fifteen verse twenty-nine. Psalm one hundred and forty five, eighteen, and then Proverbs fifteen twenty nine. Now I wanted to contrast a couple of things and maybe just help us to, to see them. And one, uh, in Proverbs 15, 29, let's begin there. It says that the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. is far from the wicked. Okay, now in Psalm uh, uh, 145, verse 18, it says the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in the truth. Now, God is omnipresent, In what sense is he far from the wicked and near to the righteous? So, relationally, then you're saying there's a difference. and That's a key, isn't it? Because though God is in every place, beholding evil and good, He has not given His Spirit to all. And that is no light thing, because the Holy Spirit is God. God in you, hope of glory, Christ in you, hope glory, that God sense of the giving of the Holy Spirit. So, it is relational based upon the new birth, which is a gift of God, that he gives every Christian without exception, Holy Spirit to indwell in, in the presence of very God. And that is relational. That is, to us, um, a, an, an ability to relate to God in a way we could not otherwise. It is a nearness to God. It is that we cry out to God not that he is our enemy, but that he is our father. We cry to him in intimate terms, as it says uh, we call him Abba in terms of endearment, our dear father. Um, And so there's a change in the righteous. There is a God intending and purposing to relate to us differently than he does uh, to the wicked. So it's not about Distance, near, and far. It's not about space, is it? We're not talking about something spatially. Like, at this, I'm moving farther from Paul and closer to Joni. And and now I'm moving farther from Jay and Joni and moving closer to Paul. That's distance. But relationally, we're talking about God and whom he chooses to dwell with. What does he say in the Old Testament as a blessing to the nation of Israel? I will do what with them and be their God. I will dwell with them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. That's the difference. That's the nearness versus the distance of the unrighteous. What That you said? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so,
1: I mean, there's a real
0: separation. There may be a more keen separation than we can even be aware of right now. because You know, we're all kind of bumping elbows right now. We're warning, uh, then that they're uh, separated from God. But I mean, that reality of separation will be great again. Um, But it won't be a separation. <laughs> Distance again, we shouldn't think in those terms, it's a separation of reality, of relationship, you know, of God's presence. Be away from the presence of God and not not touched by the, the warm light of his presence is you kind know, of And to be near to him Although I don't agree with everything uh, Sam Storm says, I did read this that he said, and I agree with it, so I want to give him credit for this. He says this concerning the indwelling um, power of of, uh, the omnipotent and uh, omnipresent God. He says, indwelling is something, therefore, of a metaphor designed to emphasize the unique, personal, and salvific relationship the Christian sustains to God be it the new life bestowed and nourished, the new power by which obedience is now possible, or whatever. Thus, to be far from God is not to be spatially at a distance, but ethically and relationally incongruous with him. Thus, drawing near to God doesn't require a journey Only repentance, faith, and humility. I like that. I thought that was good. Drawing near to God doesn't require a journey. If I were to say, let's all draw near to God today, we wouldn't load up a bus. Location, we would be talking about being in our relationship with Him, repentant and exercising faith and believing and, and obeying. These are the ways we draw near to God. Draw near to God, we draw near to you. So we're not talking about space. And uh, some people do get caught up on location, don't they? They, they think that they go to a place to meet with God. We meet here at this place that God's given us that we might per- corporately worship. We're not going to have to come to this place to find God. That God is with his people, no matter where they may be. Any any thoughts about that? So, Just a slightly different angle, a different take on on, this, on this presence. Okay, well, let's look at one more. Then, as we it all together, and we'll look in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, Isaiah 59, I think these verses will be familiar to you, uh, but maybe you haven't thought of them in the sense of the, the presence of God. All right, the Lord, it says in Isaiah 59, 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, neither is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you so that he does not hear. Now to say God doesn't see something, God doesn't hear something, has to be uh, a metaphor because he sees and hears everything. But there's a sense, in a relational sense, and that's what I, I believe he's talking about here, that, that we can move farther from God and nearer, closer to God. And he says there that it's not God who's having the problem when the relationship is not as it should be, but our iniquities have made a separation between us and our God. Our sins have hidden his face from us. Now listen, if... If the sun were to stop shining in its brilliance on this earth, we would all freeze to death in a short amount of time, right? If the presence of the face of God in Christ Jesus shining into our lives were to be withdrawn, even a little bit, as like he obviously can do that, we might, that he might get our attention, we feel that. We recognize that. We know something is wrong. We ought to know something is wrong. We ought to seek remedy. We ought to seek the face of God. And the difference between that and feeling the warmth of his presence, or knowing the warmth of his presence, is generally where we are in the sense of our iniquities and our sin. Does that mean that we lose our salvation when we sin? Of course not. Does that mean that God doesn't love us when we sin? Of course not. Because God loves us in Christ. That's a full and a permanent love. He loves us because of Christ, not because of us, and not because of our performance, whether we do or do not do. But there's the relational aspect of of our of our God. There's we're related to Him, Father through His children. And no, you know, in a good in a good home, the children do not like this pleasing father. It's not a comfortable place for. They eventually, they eventually realize and recognize that it's not comfortable for them when they're when they're rebelling against the Father, that they would rather have the favor and the love of the Father. And that's the place they want to be. The place that they're meant to be. The place we, as children of God, are made to be in God's favor. And So, uh, isn't, it, isn't it the grace of God that puts that pressure on us and we feel the sting of our sin? We feel the, the uh, you know? It's the old hymn, uh, I'm coming home. Now I'm coming home. I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. The paths of sin, too long I've trod. Lord, I'm coming home. Coming home, coming home. Never more to run. Um, and so forth. Well, that's the idea that a person is recognizing that they've been in rebellion against God. That they have been sinning. And that God has brought that to their attention through whatever means He's chosen. The Father disciplines. Children, they begin to recognize that they're far from him because of sin. I heard one man try to describe it and it's probably fine it's better than I can do and he described it as the son again like our son and that we're moving in and out of that. Not in the sense of, of our internal relationship because that's fixed in Christ we're chosen from before the foundation of the world but our perception of what's going on right now, you know, our our daily walk, our daily uh, thoughts of God. We're He's ever the same. But we may move in and out of the will of God if if you yeah. yeah. the Again, will of God is also cannot be changed, but His revealed will. We can break His it. revealed will. can do it. Secret will. Things that he has given to us, we might obey them and, our, and, and perpetuate them, uh, we kind of more or less, you know, move in and out of that. Thoughts on that? What's really happening when we're, when we wonder far from God? gone so far that we can't see us.
2: What give them, their system, their system. What you, give them you open your hand, the Here, I will you take away.
0: Yeah, and, and we can't relate and don't seek to relate to others in that nature of grace and forgiveness. Then God is essentially saying, why would you expect me to relate to you like that? Why would why would you expect me to be less to you? And so, uh, yeah, words, there's that. There has to be a sense in which we, just like we reconcile with our brothers and sisters, we feel near or part again. Then we have to have a sense in our relationship with God as we sin. Move away, we're feeling that distance. You know, we recognize that as far as God's attributes are concerned, we're not moving in distance. We're moving away. We're feeling, uh, comfort. We're moving away. Uh, uh, However, it may affect us, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the ways that we're affected. He another. What? What, in times of our life when we have no peace, spirits are <laughs> agitated within us, you know we wonder to the cause of that, don't we We want to find out what's going on I, know I do it, it,
1: it's our it could be our constant um, thought daily we're all here, to God we talk about one those times of, the, of affliction and wandering prove in times of clemency because we can also tend to kind of get complacent in seeking God again. <laughs> you know, there's a, a lot of aspects to, to the nearness of God. You have to
0: Yeah, we should always remember that. I mean, you know, the invitation Jesus uh, gave, the declaration that he's the Savior, he said, you know, all the Father gives me, come to me, and and all those that come to me, I will, in no case, cast out. I mean, is there any possibility of someone in repentance and faith coming to the Savior and saying, I'm sorry now? possibility of that. As those who flee to him are being drawn by his spirit, and, and we should think of that relationally as Christians too. but are always uh, able to, to think of the compassion of our great savior and flee to him. And, uh, I think he guides the circumstances of my life often because of complacency, to where I get to. Casual walk through the heart plea to God and, and, and recognizing his grace and his love and his compassion is always there remember Anyway, it's in him mm-hmm. all things um, 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 I have yeah,
2: um, he's, he's, okay, verse 17, he all things, and in him all things Yeah. yeah. Not, not the, he's the one that holds everything. Like and everything tells the other about him.
0: Yeah. Well, I had
2: another thought. I thought, you know, it mentioned about uh, heaven and no need of money. And, and the thought came to me, okay, that really kind of uh, makes you wonder what a new heaven and a new earth.
0: Exciting to find out, won't it? <laughs> yeah, because it will be heavens and earth, but it'll be it'll be renovated entirely. And so it'll be very exciting to see that. And I think of all things held together. You know, in, in electrical theory, you know, we teach the atoms that, that that are the building blocks of our world, everything, including us, made of atoms. You guys all know. from physics and science, and and but. But I always encourage my students that once we start looking at the atom, you know, the nucleus and the, and the electrons that surround it, and that's how electricity moves by a chain reaction of electrons. I would always talk about a stable atom I and mean, then a destabilized atom, and so forth. I would always just kind of throw this in: well, who's holding the atoms together? You know, you have an atom, and you can introduce it with other atoms, and those fields can interact. And the atom is always seeking to stabilize. Destabilized. always seeking to, to, to go back to its original God given created form. But Who's holding that together, which in turn holds everything up uh, and, and upholds everything together? It could be that if he withdraws his restraining hand on certain parts of the creation, that's how the heaven and the earth will dissolve. It was a great. That's speculation on my part, but he is holding it all together. There's an orbit. Electrons bounce within an orbit, but they never get too far from the nucleus, and stay within an orbit. And then they So God's holding everything together. In is. Isaiah 63, 17, it says, Oh Lord, why do you make us wonder from the way And harden our hearts
2: so that we do not return to the state of
0: I he hurt Yeah. I missed you. I've been in the wilderness. I need you, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you just feel like a stranger wandering around and you
1: don't know who you,
0: you are, where you're going. <laughs> that captured in the story of the
2: prophet's
1: son. Think about upon the mirror and the bar, so both presence and relation with the prodigal. Far away as God. yet there was still this thought that his father was still there. And when he made that return, the father rushed out to greet him. And yet, then you have his brother who was there, never left his presence really
0: far yeah. far from the father. Yeah. Well, that wasn't distance at all. It was it was attitude. Yeah, you submission know, and all those things. So that's exactly it. I think that's exactly the idea. And so well, so we've already talked about a couple of the practical benefits of the, on the presence of God. Um you know his Fellowship, you know, that we have with God, it's not confined to to space and limited by location, time, or anything. So we we always uh, have fellowship with God. And then when we need Him, which is really always, when we're keenly aware and we cry for deliverance, we recognize no matter how dire the circumstances may be, um, that God is not there with us, He's not far from us, that He's. Where we are in every problem, circumstance, and challenge. Omnipresent God, the a great, great God we serve. The only true and living God. And we, as His people, assemble in this uh, next hour to worship Him, to do what his Lord teaches, please Him in every respect, and He give us the grace to be able to do that.